Welcome to Aviation United by Aviation Zero. I'm delighted to be chatting with author, freelance writer, podcaster who is passionate about encouraging individuals on a transformational journey towards positive changes, particularly following times of loss in their life, be it the loss of a known and trusted way of life or a loss of a loved one. Shelley F. Knight. A very good day to you, Shelley. How are you getting on? Really good, thank you. Really good. Wonderful. So we have to kick this off. I said this before the podcast starts. So where are you right now on the planet? So right now I'm in Northampton in the Midlands in the UK in my office. Well, actually it's my husband's office because he's got all the geeky techie stuff I need. Oh, but right. originally, you'll love this, I actually grew up next to Stansted Airport. Oh, I'm wow. From, yeah, so I thought you'd like that. So I went to Stansted Mount Fidget High School and my parents are still down there. So yeah. Was that near Bishop Stafford, is it? That is, yeah. Yeah. And is it Takeley? Is it Takeley near there? Oh my God. You're, yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah. So my dad lived in Takeley for a while and all around there. So yeah, I am a little aviator at heart. Oh, you must have <laughs> loving all the airplanes coming into land every two minutes. It must be a, it must be a joy. <laughs> yeah. My mum loves it. It's one of her favourite things to watch planes coming in. She loves it. All right. Okay. I'll, um, I'm sure the airlines would be delighted to hear that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> give her a wave. <laughs> is Northampton, is that, is that a posh part of the UK, is it? Not that I've noticed, no. <laughs> right, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll spruce it up on TripAdvisor just to make it as posh as possible. <laughs> um, so generally, as I said, I usually sidetrack off other stuff anyway. So can you tell our listeners a little bit about your background, Shelley? Yeah, so I actually come from a nursing background. I went into nursing as a little small student back in 2001. And I loved it and worked in acute medicine, the very fast paced kind of level of nursing. But life's kind of full of curveballs. And so my mum called me one day, New Year's Day, to say that my stepdad had died suddenly. And um, it's quite funny, really, because my mum's a counsellor of many decades experience. But the way she broke the bad news was David is dead. Like three oh. words after a 20 year career. Um, Wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. So I was in a cute. Yeah. So that's how I got the news that my beautiful stepdad had died. And I sort of you know, you try and go back to work after loss and things like that. But it really hit me. And I was kind of the nurse that got that call. So from there, I moved into hematology and oncology. And sadly, there's a lot of end of life with that. And it's where kind of my career is now. It was that turning point. I felt really privileged that I was working people at the end of life because I didn't have that with my stepdad. He just went suddenly. And it's from there that I started to observe grief and, you know, how precious our life is. I then had more curveballs flung at me, thrown at me, whatever you could do with them and took a career break. And it was then I started looking at the spiritual aspects of life and death and trained as a clinical hypnotherapist. I did return to nursing. By then I started writing my first book, but I think something had changed in me, like my spirituality, the way that so much paperwork is like a small fire hazard now in nursing with all the paperwork. And so I left last year and that's where I'm now at like writing about grief nursing the spiritual and things like that so what what's the book called we must get the plug plug in now well my first book was called positive changes a self-kick book and it's like self-help but an extra kick it's got the feisty nursing humor in it and then my second book good grief is out in 2021 and that's about the 30 years in healthcare observing grief and where, where can you can you buy these is it is it with, uh, on amazon or in stores or yeah, so positive changes on Amazon, all online retailers, and Good Grief will be out next year. 
we're looking forward to read that. that that'll be quite a, a, an interesting read. So can we, can, well, can I ask generally, I mean, what is grief? We hear this a lot. Uh, can you explain it very simplified or? Yeah, so grief, you know, it's really multifaceted and it's quite hard to define it in one simple sentence because it's so complex. But in a nutshell, I say that grief is our reaction to losing anything with which we have an emotional connection so it's not just death of a loved one. It's when we lose anything with which we have a connection. So it could be like, even if we lose our job, finances, health, safety, confidence, way of life, all of these can trigger a grief response. So it's when we lose something that which is precious to us. And is, is grief and bereavement, are, I mean, are they the same or is it just like a, a twist of words in the English language? Is it, are they similar? They are similar. And I try and clarify this a lot in my second book, because I think they're so interchangeable, like grief, bereavement and mourning, but they're slightly different according to Shelley's world. All right. So, <laughs> so, um, so to me, bereavement and mourning are sort of part of the grief umbrella, but they're not the whole experience of grief. So grief is the normal reaction to losing something or someone, whereas bereavement is just when you lose a loved one or unloved one, as the case may be. So bereavement's just to loss of a life. Mourning to me is, it's not the authentic grief process. It's more an, an external expression. So like when there's a religious belief or a cultural belief that they will tell you how to mourn. So it's like some people say you have to mourn for, I think, is it the Catholics say it's like you have to mourn for a year and a day and yeah. Chinese things it's 100 days. Buddhists will say 90 days. Um, I think Sikhism is around like 10 days. So that's more, you're told how to mourn, how to grieve, but it's not an authentic expression. So, so that's slightly different to me. So what about emotions then? I mean, you see, I mean, obviously sometimes in Hollywood movies or TV shows is depicted. I mean, some people are quite emotional where they're, you know, they come across like they're banging the coffin and they're screaming, no, I've lost a loved one. And then other people will be quite silent. Uh, they'll be showing no emotion. So what, what emotions can people feel when they have lost someone or something? Yeah, all the above. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it's, you know, it's kind of like acting normal in an abnormal situation almost. So when we lose something, the emotions are just so heightened. But I think we do have this perception that there have to be negative emotions. I think grief's always a very negative thing. Whereas actually you can see so many things. I mean, some people have hope or relief. Some might have a spiritual emergence. But, you know, we hear about the five stages of grief, don't we? The denial, the anger, bargaining, depression and acceptance. But in my observations over 30 years, it's not linear. You don't have to have all five. You know, some people go from A to B. Others' grief journey, if you plotted it, would look like a bowl of spaghetti all over the place. <laughs> but, um, yeah, emotions are there. And I think some of them so closely related i used to see really angry families and that's like breaking bad news or when someone's died they were so angry with the staff but i think actually like anger and fear are quite closely connected i think grief and love you know it's very hard to define what is that pure emotion you're expressing but yeah you can get like sad disbelief hope guilt you might feel numb raw empty regretful and then on top of all the emotions, you then have like, you know, the physical, the mental, the behavioural and social impacts as well. So it's, it can be a really messy time. And then, and then with relationships as well. I mean, I know myself is that my, my, uh, my brother passed away a few years back and 
it's kind of an interesting one because you find that um, you, you, I don't think you change as a person, but you can't understand why the world around you is still continuing. If that makes sense, you kind yeah, of that's... you've lost somebody and you come outside, but the world is still the same. And I found that kind of a bit tricky to handle myself. But I mean, what about relationships? I mean, how how can they be affected, or even work life? How how can that be affected by by losing somebody or grief? I think you know people say you never get over grief, and I don't think I wholeheartedly agree I think we just change with grief and I think all relationships change but mostly I think the relationship with ourself changes we define ourselves so often by the person we was with like whether it's like you know you're you're the child of the parent that died or you're the sibling or you're the friend and when you take away that person out of your equation you think who am I you know who am I as a sibling who am I as a child without a parent so I think you know the relationship with ourself changes and I think we can you know, gain a greater understanding of ourselves. I think we're stronger than we give ourselves credit for. I think we're more resilient as well. So our relationship with ourselves changes, but then everyone around us as well, because people don't know what to say to us and they avoid us or they say the wrong thing, you know, so all relationships have like this ripple effect. You know, that's what I said earlier, like grief isn't simple because, you know, it's the emotions, the physical signs and symptoms, how we change as a person, how our life changes, how people see us. So, yeah, it's a really messy time or time of great change, at least. What about Shelley then when, I mean, you probably heard it yourself and when, say, a few months have gone past when somebody has, you know, you've lost somebody and then you get an individual popping up to you and they say, oh, sure, it's been it's been a few months, you know, how are you getting on there and have you moved on? I mean, is that normal? Is that is that going back to what you said there? That some people don't know what to say. It's more of an awkwardness. Yeah, I think there is that. But I'd always rather someone said something than nothing. I think so many people just, you know, like when my beautiful stepdad died, my own family would cross the road. You see them zigzagging through Bishop Stortford. You'd be like, (laughs) you know, I'm in grief. I'm not blind. I can still see what you're doing. And I think I'd always someone said something rather than nothing because there's some courage in that. And I appreciate that anyone being courageous. But... I think people do have an expectation that, you know, grief has a timeline or something and we should be ticking this checklist. Like it's been three months. How are you doing? But it's always hard, actually. I think the first few months afterwards are really hard. Like when my stepdad died, I was actually signed off work after three months because, you know, you have those practicalities at first, you know, like the rather macabre way of choosing which coffin you'd like him to have where do you want him to be buried order the flowers who's having what belongings and people like a purpose so they're rallying around aren't they and they're helping yes but then their life goes back to normal and you're trying to find your new normal and it is those months when you start to be alone with your thoughts in your new normal that you start to feel a bit ah <laughs> so you know it's quite a strange time because people have gone and that's when your thoughts start to bubble up But I don't know if you know, but I set up a death cafe here in Northampton because I was really aware that people think after three months, five years, 10 years, we should no longer be grieving or talking about it. And we can be left feeling really unheard. You know, I'm all for grief healing. I think we always need to tell the story, keep the memories alive, turn our mess into a message and things like that. So I've got a death cafe here and we meet up and we can talk. We know what's on the agenda. We're going to talk about death. And I think it's important to always keep talking, always keep healing. And, and how does that get out there that, uh, with a death cafe? I mean, are people kind of a little bit anxious to attend? 
is it is it quite an open platform or is it just like part of the norm that oh there, there's a dead, dead cafe down there and we can we can pop in and, and chat about our, our grief is that, is that how it works yeah i think you know i've just like really blessed i've attracted the most amazing people and there's so much laughter i just love it um but it is like going on a first date there is that awkwardness of walking in you know what is the expectations but you know the agenda is we're going to talk about death grief that's the expectation so it's just lovely it's a pop-up event like every month or so and we just come together and talk and it's not unique i'm not unique there's like you know they're in 65 countries around the world but i just thought it was really needed i knew from my nursing days that whilst i was nursing a patient who was dying the impact on the family left behind was profound you know, like their life almost died when their loved one did. And I just knew there were people out there that needed a little something. That's amazing. I mean, it, I'd love to know more. I mean, when, this probably sounds a bit bizarre, but I'll say it anyway. I mean, do you get people walking past and there's a bit of laughter going in inside, you know, are people telling stories, maybe funny stories about their loved ones? And then people outside are going, Geez, I thought that was a dead cafe. Is that, I mean, <laughs> is, you know what I mean? Is that like, <laughs> because you know, you're stereotypically, you'd be, you'd be thinking, oh, geez, there must be a lot of sadness going on in there. But if I know in an Irish type of environment, sometimes we, we kind of celebrate um, the life of some, and sometimes the, the, um, the how do you say, the dinner event after the funeral um, can get quite interesting. And there's a lot of laughter, but it's not to be disrespectful to the, to the person who's passed away they actually enjoy hearing some nice stories. And I just wonder if that's what it's like as well. Is it is it a bit of laughter going on at times or is it just, it's just very kind of serious um, chatting about, uh, you know, how people are kind of coping and managing the situation? I think a lot of the laughter, if I'm honest, probably comes from saying, you know, you'd never guess what someone said to me. And it is the people that are just saying the most, I don't know, I think the awkward things that they say, but I would always, that someone said someone you know, rather than silence or cross the road like I had. I think, like, if you can hear someone saying something, even if it's bizarre or totally out of order, they're present. You can hear them. You're not invisible. And there's a real beauty in that. But, yeah, we sort of laugh about the things that people say, you know, the expectations of what we should be doing or feeling. And some of it is, like, you know, what's your happiest memory of your loved one? How do you want to be remembered? We talk about writing your own eulogy and things like that. And it is, you know genuine humor but it's beautiful i mean friendships are formed from it it's just a really beautiful place that's a bit i don't, I don't know if there's any in ireland are you aware is there, is there any dead cafe in ireland is there do you know or i don't, I don't know well maybe you should set one up here i think it's um it sounds a fascinating thing can i ask you then shelly you had mentioned previously that after uh, a few months you were signed off work so can I ask, how did your employer handle that or how did you feel? It's quite strange. And I suppose it was one of those niggles that probably left me thinking, do I really want to be a nurse? So on the day it happened, when my mum called and said, David is dead, they were amazing. They gave me a healthcare assistant who walked me home. And then um, a partner at the time, like drove me back home down to Essex near the airport. And, um, you know, they were brilliant in that moment. Then the ward phoned that night and I thought, oh, bless them. They're seeing how I'm doing. But there's actually phoning to ask, when would I be back at work? And I wasn't impressed, (laughs) you know, and I didn't have an answer. So it wasn't really, you know, they were in a caring career, but I didn't really feel feel that I was cared for. 
so I carried on, but then obviously the only way to grieve is to grieve. So three months later it caught up me and I was signed off because it was just really mucky and I hadn't processed it at the time because I kind of rushed back to work. I think, yeah, I don't think there was a lot of support. I mean, this is just from my nursing. There wasn't a lot of support around at all. And I think it's so important that we have support, but it wasn't there for me. And I think it's probably one of the reasons I do the death cafe. I don't want people to feel unsupported. There's so many people around us, you know, we should all help each other. And I'm just saying really passionate about that. And because I didn't have that support, it's why I'm passionate about providing it now. But no, it was mucky. And, you know, you could question if I'd had that support initially, that time initially to grieve, would I have been signed off three months down the line? I don't know. I believe things happen for a reason. But yeah, I wasn't really supported in my grief. So a little bit of negativity has brought a bit of positivity because you've, you've, you've set up the dead cafe. So I think that's a good thing. Yeah, yeah. And I believe things happen for a reason. You know, like the whole getting the call on the ward. I thought I was going to be in acute medicine for years. But actually, I ended up in haematology and oncology. And I loved that. And I loved, you know, the end of life, the privilege of that role. And here I am, you know, writing books about it, death cafes, podcasting about it. So I'm a great <laughs> believer that, you know, I needed that sort of spiritual kick to get me where I am today. You've met your calling. Yes. And that's why we're here chatting. Unfortunately yeah. for you, you're chatting to me. But anyway, that's <laughs> you know, there's always a positive negative in life. Um, <laughs> so what about then, I know we kind of briefly touched on it, but dealing with grief, I know we spoke about the emotions and stuff like that, but what, what could you recommend, I mean, to deal with it? it? You know, just lock yourself away in a room, um, you know, talk to somebody. So what would you suggest our listeners to do if they, if they are experiencing grief? Whatever they need to do. And that sounds really bad. But the thing is, I, you know, grief is a little bit like our fingerprints. You know, we all have them, but they're all unique to us. They're not going to be like anyone else's. And that is your grief, really, that it's yours. There is no timeline. There is no checklist because that'd be so easy, wouldn't it? If we could just tick a box. <laughs> but I just think there's so many things we can do. As I said earlier, I think there's so many negative connotations about grief that it has to be really painful and your life is over. And I know people will feel like that. I totally get that. But I think from working in end of life, the fact that we're still alive is such a privilege and it's something I'm really passionate about. So I encourage people to be resilient, you know, like find the lesson in the grief and move on, you know, whether it's to live in memory of that person and make them proud because you faced your own mortality. I just think there has to be a movement of moving forward because my dad always used to say life goes on and that's what my branding like Shelley F Knight life goes on and it does not the way we might have wished hoped or foreseen but it does go on and so I always say to create a small positive change whether it's you know getting up early in the morning spending 10 minutes alone with your thoughts if it's doing more exercise to clear your head just always create a small positive change just don't get stuck in your grief can I ask then, Shelley, with, I mean, obviously, you know, with, with the, the COVID-19 at the moment, that there's a lot of job losses around the world and there's the aviation, aerospace, uh, tourism and hospitality industries, you know, a lot of a lot of people are affected by that. How yeah. how would you put a positive spin on that? Because you see a lot where a lot of people, say aviation professionals in particular, are posting a lot of stuff on social media and they're saying they've lost their job after four or five years. Um and obviously they're upset. But how would you put a positive spin 
on somebody that's lost their job? Would you tell them like, you know, you know you've, you've had a great time, you've had a good four years or five years and move on to the next adventure. Is that, is that probably the best way to handle it or is there any other advice? No, I wrote about this quite, for quite a few magazines because I was just really aware, like even in 30 years of healthcare, I was really aware of the profound effects of COVID. And I spoke about, I called it isolation grief initially, but in my book, it's called pandemic grief. And there's just like a collective loss around the world, you know, that we have loss of normalcy. We can't see our friends go to work, have the financial security, and then people were dying of COVID and we couldn't be by their side, you know, and we naturally want to be with our loved ones when they're dying. Then we couldn't go to the funeral. And it's just like loss after loss after loss. So I think it's a really difficult time. And I think we'll see the impact of this grief for many, many years to come. So I wouldn't say like, <laughs> you know, things happen for a reason um, or you'll get over it. I think, you know, that collectively there's so much pain in the world right now. I have seen a collateral beauty in the loss, in the people who've been in these jobs for years, you know, and they've been living with, you know, beyond their means or they've been doing a job they didn't love, you know, lots of these people, for them, it's a real positive. They're having that kick they wanted to do, you know, a more meaningful job or a more spiritual job, or, you know, they were at risk of burnout for working so much. And actually when they stopped and slowed down, they've seen a new way of life. But for many, I just think it's a really awful time. Do you know what I mean? Like even here in my house, my positive is that I've finished my next book 18 months early, which is fabulous. My husband's been out of work since March. He's applied for 50 jobs. He still hasn't got a job. You know, there's positive and negatives. Yeah. And so I wouldn't tell people to carry on or things happen for a reason as such, but I would ask people to, like any grief, really look at what's happening for them. You know, who are they without that job role? Who are they without that financial income? What's important to them? What do they want in their life? What do they not want? A real audit of their life. Because I think when you're at rock bottom or feel that you're dipping down, when you hit rock bottom, the only way is up. And it's a really good time to just sit and think what you want. But no, I think it's so hard for so many people. So, I'd, you know, there's not going to be a positive for everyone, but I would encourage people to search for a positive or a glimmer of hope or that one thing that they're going to do each day. So stay strong. If anybody's listening to this, stay strong. Well, you can cry and you can snot, sleep, repeat if you want to, you know, but just find something that pulls you forward rather than pulls you down. Do you know what I mean? Like just journal how you're feeling for 10 minutes a day. Get outside is really powerful, I think, you know, because we are so isolated and inside, you know, stepping outside. But just find something that moves you forward. But I just think it is a really difficult time for so many. Did you say, Shelley, it was a snot sleep repeat? Yeah, yeah. What's snot sleep repeat? (laughs) So people, like, it's another grief thing, isn't it? That when they, when people say like, oh, like my mum's died or I've lost my job or my dog's not well, you know, all these losses we're having, people saying, oh, be strong. And I'm like, just grieve the hell the hell you want to. I don't believe in being strong. Like people say, oh, be strong by your mum's bedside. You don't want her last thing of you to be you crying. Why not? Do you know what I mean? We're not robots. We have emotions. And so I wouldn't say be strong. I'd say be authentic. I'd also encourage people to reach out to their healthcare professionals, you know, 
my mum as a counsellor always says the answers are within us but sometimes we need support external to us so you know if you are struggling don't wait till it gets really bad and overwhelming and things like that do you know reach out for help from a friend a healthcare professional mother nature you know hold on to something that's going to lift you up but yeah being strong I think it's good to have a positive mindset but you can cry snot repeat you know you can be positive but if those negative emotions come up not that they're negative they're just emotions just be authentic in whatever you're feeling so can I twist it then and go the opposite side? So say, for example, you're the friend or you're the individual that sees somebody that is grieving or struggling. How, how can you approach that with, with the person that you're seeing? Because you know yourself, sometimes you hear all this thing where, where people don't like to be bothered or annoyed these days. They're, you know, they're pressurized with life, with relationships, with jobs and work. So if you're that individual and you see somebody is struggling, how, how could you probably approach that to help them without being too annoying or overbearing? <laughs> My teenage son said, I'm always annoying, David, so that's a bit <laughs> risky for me. <laughs> <laughs> so I think grief just changes all the time. We can have good days, bad days, and we get by a tsunami of emotions. So I like to say, how are you this morning? You know, shorten it down not how are you because that's a huge umbrella and grief is changing all the time so you know if you see them in the morning how are you this morning how are you today to keep it concise i also think that people often say oh you know where i am if you need me when you're grieving or if you're depressed you know you don't like to ask for help let alone accept it so i think it's better if you say to someone what can I do for you today? What do you need me to do? How can I help you? It's just a slight tweak of what we think we're saying, but it's more open to being accepted. Because if you say, oh, you know where I am, people don't, you know, and you feel awkward and you're always really hyper aware that other people's life may be better than yours. So yeah, keep it concise. Like, how are you this morning, this evening? What can I do to help you? Tell me, tell me now. So yeah, just really help people because sometimes you know when you're grieving we feel just as awkward and can't find the words either so yeah kind of going quite strong maybe <laughs> i think that's the reason why shelly i've been blocked by everybody on facebook and instagram and is it is because i kind of i'm kind of like the, i try to be the i think i've learned uh, a lesson from your advice here because i if i do see somebody i'm kind of very um forward about it and i'll say yeah you're okay you need a bit of help and i think what happens is they're like oh leave me alone <laughs> go away from me so i think i have to um be more aware of that myself so that's kind of that's good advice and i'll take that on board and the listeners you take it on board as well so um... yeah we just need a little <laughs> bit of encouragement you know because i think when you're in grief or if you're just that certain type of person you know when people say oh you know where i am if you need me i know that i don't ask people for help i am so feisty i think i'm gonna have a really good go on my own you know and that's not even in grief and i always think i've got this i've yes. so got this i am enough but if someone said like could i just do that for you i'd be like it's kind of already been answered hasn't it in the way yes. you phrased it and i'm like oh go on then yes. you know walk the dog steal a child whatever you want do it <laughs> No, that's good. I learned my lesson now. So all my Facebook <laughs> friends out there, I'm coming back to see you very, very soon. <laughs> so um, we spoke uh, briefly about your book. So what about the podcast? What can people expect from your podcast? And where can they find your podcast? 
Let's do the yeah. plug, social media, <laughs> the whole caboodle. We spoke with the cafe already, but I want to get back to that later on. But yeah, so we're, we're, we're um, uh, the, the, the podcast and where can they find you on social media and your website? Okay, so my life has been peppered by grief, not just with my patients, but my personal life. And I had um, a horrendous fertility journey. I mean, I think people are really quick to judge, aren't they? Like we have four children, so people don't think I've had fertility problems. But David, I would have loved like seven children, really, I think. Right. So um, I had really big struggles of having children. So at the end of my last pregnancy, which was horrific, I started to write Positive Changes, a self-kick book. And it's like self-help, but it's a bit of a kick and it's got my warped humour in there. And there's no one way of how to create positive change it's sort of things i try things i try but didn't work there's warped humor there's old blogs there's tools there's the lot but my teenage son made me realize that not everyone reads a book so i then turned it into positive changes a self-kick podcast and so it started off as a solo show just me and my little book just reading out the key themes and pain points really about you know the search for happiness who am i the art of forgiveness and things like that. But it was a really beautiful journey that as people started to listen to the solo shows, they were sort of like, do you know what? I've created a positive change and this is what worked for me. Could I share? So I thought, oh yeah, come on, I'll have six guests on. That'd be fine. <laughs> but I absolutely loved it. I absolutely, it's like the nursing without the drug rounds, really, that I just get all this life experience, all the stories, all the inspiration, the tears, you know, I'm left speechless, which is amazing because I'm very chatty. And we're now on episode 22-ish, I think. Oh, wow. And yeah, so I am no longer a solo show. <laughs> yeah, so it's every Wednesday, Positive Changes, a self-kick podcast comes out with a new guest. And, you know, they're just beautiful. It's, you know, postnatal depression. There's grief. We've had funeral directors on, overcoming addiction, near-death experience. It's just amazing so it's other people's positive changes and the tools they use so you know if you read my book and thought very nice Shelley but it's not for me you could listen to someone else (laughs) (laughs) or you could do both you could buy the book listen to the podcast (laughs) and where can they find the podcast is it on your website shellyfnight.com yeah you can get it there it's on all platforms and you can even listen to it on Shelley F Knight YouTube channel. And I don't know why I'm one of these girls feel the fear and do it anyway. So I don't like being visible. So if I write a book, I'm behind my computer. If I podcast, I'm behind a mic, you can't see me. But again, teenage son showed us that, you know, people don't (laughs) read books, don't listen to podcasts, but YouTube's very in. So I set up this YouTube channel not really know what I'm doing, David, if I'm honest. Oh, don't worry about it. Nobody does. Yeah. We're, all, we're no. all pretending. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought I'm going to get visible because some people like to watch videos. And if it helps someone to move on or save a life, you know, from creating a positive change when you're feeling really low, I'll do it. For the sake of mankind, I'll go out there and I'll do it. So I started it with these really bad lockdown routes. So that's quite worth subscribing to anyway. So yeah, you can have the podcast on the normal platforms but also youtube if you like to look at bad roots <laughs> <laughs> bad roots yeah well my hair um but your, you know, hair's, your hair is red is it is it red it's well, it's brown this time it's, it's, it's now gone brown. back to dark brown that's not my natural color either right um yeah <laughs> <laughs> no See, comment 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> I deal with death and dying and my hair has a lot of dying as well. So it's just, you know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> just checking. All right. I have your website up here in front of me, uh, shellyfnight.com. Yeah, and I can see your, your, your picture here. So it's... So you've changed, you've, you've changed the tone now. Is this the colours moved onto a different Dulux paint type of colour? Yes. Or, oh, okay. Yeah, YouTube, it's kind of like strawberry pink with a little blonde. Um, this week, I think I'm brown. I think I'd had my hair done by then, so I think I'm brown on this week's YouTube video. <laughs> right. Is this a weekly event, is it? Or yeah, every Wednesday. Every Wednesday you change. Okay, so what are we expecting <laughs> next week? Or is there some more to come? No, I don't know. I wash it. It's a bit, a bit lighter, I suppose. <laughs> right. So wh- wh- where else then can, can uh, the listeners get in touch? I mean, you're on, you're on Instagram, uh, Twitter and all this wonderful social media platforms. So I'm really active on Shelley F. Knight. Life goes on on Facebook page and Shelley F. Knight on Instagram. As I say, I've got the YouTube channel. I'm on LinkedIn. I've got the website. And if you subscribe on my website to the newsletter, I'll keep you up to date with Good Grief when it comes out. And even Good Grief Northampton Death Cafe has its own Facebook page. I'm looking at over it right there. here as we There see. you go. <laughs> and it's the next date is Zoom meeting. It's the 9th of September, 7 to 7.30? Yes, that's it. Yeah, just checking in with people. Yeah. And I mean, I wanted to get back to this. I mean, have you any, I know it sounds terrible when you talk about death and stuff like that. Is there any humor stories you've experienced over uh, doing all of this wonderful work? That was actually uh, something of humour. In other words, sometimes we all we believe that death is is, is quite sombre at times and serious. Was there anything? I mean, I could probably tell you one or two stories myself, but um, have you anything that you'd like to share? <laughs> I don't think so from the death cafe. But in my nursing, like when I used to say to people, like you know, I work in haematology, oncology, and end of life, people be like, they'd give me that look, David, as if to say, you poor cow, you must have been really evil in a past life, kind of look. Right. If you, can... <laughs> you have a dark sense of humour, have you? Yeah. Right. <laughs> and so people used to look at me like and feel really sorry for me. But it was the best job in the world. And there was this amazing gentleman, like men at the end of life can be so humorous. Right. I think they just think, sod it, what have I got to lose? And so there were a few guys queuing for the toilet on the ward. And then this one just walked up, a really tall, gorgeous gentleman, just walked up and he goes, do you mind if I go first? I've only got three months to live. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I just loved it. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, don't spend the end of your days queuing for a toilet. But there is so much humour. I think at the end of life, we realise like how often we get things so wrong. Do you know what I mean? That we just you know, do these jobs that don't fulfill us. We stay in these relationships that aren't for us. We cling on to money more than hope, you know, and you get to this end of life and you just think, actually, you know, the most important thing in life is connection, a sense of belief. And, you know, I think we can either laugh at ourselves or cry. And I always tend to go with the humor. Yes. No, I think, I think it's right. Um, so yeah, so the death cafe is on, as you said, Facebook and there's no, there's no other way of, of, there's no website for death cafe. Is there, it's just true Facebook. No, no. Um, no, that's great. I mean, it's, uh, it's a great platform for people to reach out. So as, as uh, Shelley's mentioned as well, it's a zoom meeting only Wednesday night. Oh, so how do they sign up if people want to get in touch with the death cafe? Is it via Facebook? They send a message? Yeah, so they can go on to Facebook. There'll be posts coming up just to say, like, if you want the Zoom meeting link, like, message me on Shelley F. Knight, 
life goes on or here on the Northampton death cafe. So just like Facebook messenger. And I just send out the link, you know, it's quite sad because not so many people engage with the virtual event. And I just really miss the humor and the connection because that's one of the most important things in life. But you know, the meetings are still going ahead, but I can't wait till we're all back in our little cackle, our little circle of cackles. <laughs> yeah, no, the, the sooner the better. Um, I just want to say thank you so much, uh, Shelley, for joining me today. Uh, you've given great insight, uh, a lot of humor, especially when we're talking about um, uh, grief, bereavement and debt. So um, thank you so much. As Shelley said, you can catch her out uh, with the Debt Cafe, which is on Facebook and ShellyFI.com. So thank you so much for joining me today on Aviation Live by Aviation Zero. Thank you, Shelley. Oh, thank you. It's been my absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me.